0: You're listening to the Video Marketing Podcast, helping you go a little more viral every day. Here's your host, Matt Johnston.
1: Hello, welcome to the Video Marketing Podcast. I am Matt Johnston. I'm here with Melanie Diesel today. Very, very excited about that. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, I'm very excited uh, to be talking about uh, how to fit video into your content marketing framework because we... uh, We talk a lot about on the show about how to crush video. And we talk about how to know if it's getting you ROI. We talk about how to do it on YouTube. We talk about how to do it on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat. But what we don't always talk about is okay, Matt, but everybody's also (laughs) telling me to write blogs and they're also telling me to start a podcast and they're also telling me to do organic social media and they're also telling me to make video, but then there's YouTube video and there's Facebook video and what kind of Mm -hmm. video and what actually matters. So uh, what I'd like to talk to Melanie today about is what piece video can play into the story of your brand, the story that you're trying to tell, the narrative that you're trying to, get across um so in case you don't know melanie uh melanie melanie's amazing you've probably seen melanie everywhere <laughs> where content marketing exists on the internet you have a tendency to see and i'm not exaggerating because she's sitting right in front of me literally you google it you tend to come up uh every podcast has melanie on to talk about content marketing <laughs> um i just know melanie because we both went to syracuse and somehow got connected but there you go uh, i was trying so to remember that i
0: yeah. was trying to remember how we first got connected i couldn't figure it out
1: We've just been sort of in
0: orbit for all this time.
1: There you go. Right. It's always nice to be in orbits. But yeah, the (laughs) part of the new house mafia, right? That's right. So Melanie, she's a keynote speaker, author, award-winning branded content uh, creator, and uh, is on a mission to share the power of compelling, incredible content with others. She really does know what she's talking about when it comes to content marketing strategy. And I think strategy is sometimes the biggest thing missing in content marketing. And super excited to talk to her a little bit later on about her book, uh, The Content Fuel Framework, right?
0: Yep, that's it.
1: February 24th, very excited about that. We were just talking, um, I teach college, and I was talking about how when it comes to content marketing, besides my own book that's coming out, I have no other books to assign these children because <laughs> there are no, there's just nothing out there on this. It's too new. There are not books on these things, and it's ever-changing, but uh, I'm, yeah. I'm excited to assign this out to the kids because I know it'll be amazing. Uh, and uh, Melanie has a big uh, background. You worked at T-Brand Studio, right? Which was, I did. You were the first editor of Brand. So that's New York Times branded studio, right? Yep. So we are our brand
0: content. It's still there. It is way bigger than when I left it. I think it's almost 200 people now. When I was there, there were like four of us. So it was the old days, but yeah, there's, they're still going strong.
1: <laughs> that's great. Yeah. That's one of the bigger ones you'll hear about. Uh, and one of the founders of Huffington Post's brand storytelling team, former director of creative strategy for Time Inc. I think that's another, uh, reason why I'm excited to talk to you because we have, uh, Similar backgrounds at these big New York City media publishers. Yeah. I was always on the journalism side, um, and now I'm in the branded side. But I never really got to see too much of the branded side. Always when I was just running the editorial video team. So I'm excited to sort of dig into this here. Um, so what do we just what do we just start here with this conversation, right? Do you have and your 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 book is called the framework. What's the framework? Mm-hmm. I mean, is there a very sp- obviously it's a whole book, right? But if yeah. somebody went up to you and right now. And they were like, okay, I have a minimal amount of resources. I know I need to make content because I want attention and affinity. What are the four things that I need to be concentrating on and do with the small amount of money that I have? Where where would you start that conversation?
0: That would be, uh, I would probably have to ask a few follow-up questions. I don't know if that's allowed in the context. Okay. So the follow-up questions. Do it. (laughs) There's
1: no rules here. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I, would, I would feel like I need to understand what the goals of the business are or why you're creating content in the first place, right? Because I think if you're just creating it because you love it and it's fun, then by all means, do whatever you have time to do and whatever like floats your boat, whatever you like to make, go for it. Um, but I think if you have specific business goals in mind, if there's a specific objective at a broader level behind that, then we need to figure out what formats and what focuses are going to be best aligned with your business goals. And so when I say focus, I mean what is the content about? Is it about people, about history, about data? Um, you know, there's there's many different things you could focus on in your content, or sort of the lens through which you're telling stories, and then the format: so video, audio, you know, written, infographics, whatever else. The idea is to try to pick those that are best aligned with what it is you're trying to achieve. I, I often recommend video because I, I feel like it's this sort of super format. And if you start with video, you can create just about anything else from the video, right? You get mm. audio, you can transcribe it into written content, you get the images that you can use. So, you know, it's sort of the super format that's very easy to break down into its smaller parts. So I think mm. it's a really good place to create if you have limited resources. You get more bang for your buck that way. Um, but I also have to acknowledge if you're a team of one and if you're not a video editor, then it could be challenging to go around, you know, you're filming, you're editing, you're, you're, you know, writing out scripts. Like it could be, it can be overwhelming to try to create video if you're newer to the space, um, or if you're, you're limited on resources. So it's it's always a balance to try to figure out where to, where to start.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good point. It's interesting because I don't often think of video as the starting point, even though I do it. <laughs> I, I don't really think of it that way. I mean, I just do it because I'm a video guy, but I, uh, I, and, and, you know, I, uh, I take longer pieces of video and I chop them into tons more video. What I don't right. take the time to do very often is turn them into blogs to turn them into other types of content. So it's interesting um, about how you would sort of repurpose that content yeah. to other things. What is the value of a blog these days? This is an ongoing debate.
0: Well, you know, one of the things I've heard before is that you know people ask about the search value, is is I think what's key, right? Google or YouTube, you know, whatever platform you're using, can't actually search the content of your video. They can search your tags, your metadata, and all of that. Um, But if you're trying to capitalize on a lot of search traffic and and trying to capture reader intent, then oftentimes having text-based content, at least in some format, even if it's just to accompany your video as a primary format, uh, gives you a better shot at being able to do that without having any sort of limitations in terms of number of tags or or the way those tags are are formatted and collected. So um, if you want to sort of step outside of your video metadata and get a little bit more, you know, opportunity to play with search, that's a way to do it. Um And also, you know, I always say everyone has a first content language that as a creator, there's a, you know, for you, you're a video guy. So video is your first content language. I consider myself more of a writer. I have a harder time spinning up a video than I do a blog, uh, you know, a blog post. So you have a first content language as a creator, but you also have one as a consumer. And so, you know, if your consumers are really into reading and you're only pushing out audio and video, then that could be why you're not achieving what you want to achieve. So, you know, you got to kind of find the, the sweet spot between those things. And sometimes having a mix of different formats allows you to reach your audience who may be thinking, reading, learning in different formats than, than you might be inclined to create in. So, I think it's good to have, have a mix of different things. Um, but I know sometimes people are all in on one particular format because that's their first content language and they just like to speak it. And I don't blame them.
1: Video is by far the sexiest of the content marketing platforms, but would, would, I think I mean, that's
0: probably probably true. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah It's definitely so, the coolest. Yeah, so <laughs> what? Do you, but but so so, based on that, would you say that every company needs to be making some sort of video, or do you think that there that that's not true?
0: I think that every company could benefit from strategically created video. I think I recognize that it is not always approachable for every type of company. So when I think of like the corner diner in my neighborhood, um, could they have some baller video with like slow-mo of like omelets being made? Sure. That would be super cool. It would probably, you know, do well on Instagram. I don't know that the average demographic of my corner diner is making their diner decisions based on Instagram or more, mm. you know, based on the fact that this thing is down the block and they make decent omelets. Right? So I think there's certainly opportunities to leverage video and I think it's smart to leverage video, but I also think that for some types of businesses, particularly small local businesses, sometimes it's it's another format or another platform that may have an outsized return for them. you know they may want to pour all their attention into Foursquare and Yelp if that's where their customer decisions are being made, and maybe video is less of, an, of a big deal there um, but I think there's there's always a way to to leverage it you know strategically it's just not always feasible um, you know or, or maybe it doesn't have the best return for for certain types of businesses
1: yeah I mean do, do you sort of advocate for something similar to When I'm trying to figure out what content a company should make, or I usually teach them to teach them, teach them. I -hmm. I sort of tell them we need to start from the audience up instead of from you down, right? Right. So the first thing we do is like an avatar or a persona exercise. What kinds of, and and I assume you probably feel the same way whether you execute it in a similar way or not, but um, what might that exercise of figuring out your audience more specifically what might that yield as far as what formats you should be using?
0: So I think what a, a good question to ask. And, and I, I do a very similar approach, as you said. I usually try to do it with like focus groups and try to talk to members of the audience as best I can rather than trying to do a persona. But oftentimes, oh, doing cool. a focus group is part of building a persona, right? They're, they're very similar yep. exercises. We're just trying to figure out who are we talking to here? Um, and often that exercise tells you where do those people hang out and what do they consume? and so those are the questions you want to be asking you know i don't know who the you know the average business how, how they are have the most contact with their audience it could be online could be in person but just a simple thing like you know what are you watching on youtube do you watch youtube or do you listen to podcasts you know kind of try to get a sense in your conversations with them um you know who do they who do they trust where are they consuming content where do they get their information from and that'll give you a good indication you know if you're for us like it's it's a little tough for us I think because it's it's a little bit like inception like we're content marketers talking about marketing for other content marketers so you know if we were to create content marketing for ourselves it would just there's a little too many layers there for it to make a lot of sense um Mm. but we we might be looking in places that are different than you know someone else's audience might be looking so if they tend to spend a lot of time on YouTube, on Facebook, on Instagram in places where video makes a ton of sense, then you probably want to be trying more of that and experimenting more. If they tell you, you know... My mom, I'm not sure, would even know a YouTuber to name if she were being asked, you know, what, what's your favorite channel to watch on YouTube? I don't know that she's never even visited, right? Except maybe clicking a link by mistake. So, you know, if someone like my mom is in your target audience, then maybe you want to find video for her or she needs to find your video a different way through Facebook probably. So it's just a matter of talking and, and seeing where those people listen, where they where they watch, where they consume their media and trying to, like you said, reverse engineer for the audience. How do we get it to them in the best way?
1: And what are we doing in this content? Like, what's your theory on it? Like how much, (laughs) I mean, are we, are we, I mean, I'm a big proponent of just like, just crush them with value all the time and barely sell anything ever. Um, Very difficult to sell, (laughs) right? Because you always get the question. I I know you've got it because I've listened to some podcasts you've been on before. People always ask you, what's the ROI on this, Melanie? And you're like, give me a break. But what's the uh, ROI
0: of (laughs) hugging your mom? (laughs) There you go. It's hard to say, but you know it's important, right? And I I always say, like, people used to ask this about social media 10 years ago, right? 10 years ago, people would say, what's the ROI of being on Twitter? What's the ROI of being on Facebook? What's the ROI of having a YouTube channel? Thankfully, I think we're mostly past that point. We know that there's sort of intangible ROI to these social platforms because we're building relationships, we're connecting with the audience. I think content is headed the same way where obviously we need to say something in these places. So we need to create things. And I hope that soon we'll get to a point where we don't have to justify our existence anymore. But in the meantime, I always make dating analogies, right? It's it's very similar to building any kind of relationship. You need to listen. You need to provide value. You need to acknowledge the other person's interests. You need to find shared values, right? It's, it's very, very similar. So anytime you can tell stories or create content that signals some of those things this is what's important to us. These are the kind of things we support. Uh, These are activities we enjoy. These are the people we align ourselves with. These are the things we know you care about and our thoughts on those things, right? Oh, I heard you mention that you were having trouble with this process. Here's some resources that might help you with that. It's just this exchange of value and conversation that over time builds affinity. Um, And I think far too much of the marketing that we do is just sort of like blindly proposing to people in places and hoping someone says yes. So, Um, this feels a little more conversational to me.
1: Right. And then, you know, the, the idea being when you're ready to sell something to them, it'll seem obvious, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, when you finally get to the point of asking them on a date, they already want to go with you. You don't have to convince them. Right.
1: Right. Right. (laughs) Right. So you, you, you talked about wanting to be where people are, makes it, makes a ton of sense. I, I think that one of the, one of the tough things to 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 wrap your brain around sometimes is where they might be in the future, you know? So mm. I I look at something like TikTok, which I'm really bullish on right now, like really bullish yeah. on it. Um, because it's it just has massive viral pickup. I mean, I could, I could like sit there staring at the screen, like staring at my camera for five seconds, and it would get seven hundred views, which is kind of like a. And it's kind of, it's actually kind of a, it's kind of an exaggeration, but like a hundred views for sure.
0: Right? Um, Have you made? You a can't TikTok? do that on Facebook.
1: Oh yeah, I'm all over TikTok.
0: You, you made them, okay. This is what I, I find that there's a lot of us who are consuming TikTok like crazy, but so intimidated to make one. I think because it's a new format, it's vertical. There's a lot of yeah. like. Editing and subculture that we might not feel we fully understand, and you don't—you don't, don't want to be that guy. So, I—I I personally have not made a TikTok. I'm—I'm I'm a lurker on TikTok still. So.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it, It's—it's interesting though because I, I just so I, I get this all the time. I'm always like I'm I'm running around championing TikTok, and a lot of people say to me because you know I have a lot of friends. Obviously, they're in the B2B space, and they're just like, "Why would I do TikTok? My avatar is not there." So this kind of goes back to where your conversation of create content for where they are. Um, but yeah, I get it. You think that only 18 year olds are there. One, not true. Two, those 18 year olds are going to be 25 someday. Mm
0: -hmm. So when
1: do you want to be in their life? Yeah.
0: Well, I think that's a really good question. I think some of the brands that are really smart are the ones who are thinking ahead or who are breaking through the noise in unexpected places. So you know, we're media people. I can't help but pull this example. The Washington Post happens to be killing it on Reddit the last couple of years. You don't see almost any other media company really making a presence there, but Washington Post has embraced the sort of ask me anything Mm. culture. They don't promote, they're not trying to sell subscriptions. They're just bringing the experts within the company to engage with people and say, I'm an expert on this, ask me anything. So they they found a way to kind of capitalize that in an unexpected way and build a presence there and now they're trying to do the same thing on TikTok. I can't speak for how successful their TikTok experiments have been. I think it's maybe too soon to evaluate, but they're again one of few media companies that are really trying to they have dedicated resources and putting dedicated attention to saying we're going to have a presence on TikTok as the Washington Post, right? So I think the the brands who, you know, I don't want to say early adopters because I don't even think it's necessary to be an early adopter, but just to be a strategic adopter in a place where your competition is not, there's also some freedom, I think, in being able to be there and make mistakes. If you're telling me that this platform is not the be all end all of our leads for the next quarter, then you have a little bit of creative freedom to try things and experiment and and learn how it works so that by the time your audience gets there or adopts it or it's more mainstream, you already know what you're doing. You don't have to pick it up and learn it because suddenly it is do or die for the next quarter. And I think there's a lot of value in that freedom too.
1: Yeah, I just, I, just I, I don't want people to get into the situation that we're in with Facebook and Instagram where it was, I mean, back when I was running big video programs, I was building them around Facebook because it was very similar. I mean, you could do whatever you wanted and it would get tons of organic traction and now it's all suppressed on those platforms. You have to imagine it's going to happen to something like TikTok too, and LinkedIn, which is also very high for organic growth right now. And you should, if you're not creating content for a LinkedIn, you all should be creating content for LinkedIn. It's very, it's a, again, it's not quite as as easy as TikTok, but it's it's pretty easy. And yeah. as far as like B two B, I mean, it's crazy if you're not there, right? Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I just I just feel like uh, jump on it and build the following while 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 it's easy to do. Uh rather than waiting.
0: Make, maybe I need to stop lurking on TikTok. Maybe this is like a challenge for me.
1: <laughs> there you go. Step, we step
0: we, out we can do a challenge. duet,
1: Melanie. We can do a duet. Do, do you it. know what that is? It's like I
0: understand what it is, but I don't know how to do it. So you have to show me. I see. You know what's funny?
1: It, so. I know. You know what's funny is it used to be musically, right? So it used yeah. to be musically, right. so then it was all it was all like thirteen year olds. Um, you know, thinking. like doing doing yes. lip syncing, but yeah. then this Chinese company bought it. They turned it into TikTok, and now it's just generally video. But the thing is, and for my purposes, it's especially interesting, right? Because it is literally the only video-only social platform that exists right now. I mean, yeah, obviously, video is huge on every social platform, but TikTok, it's only there's nothing but video. It's only yeah. video.
0: And it's very pared down. Like there's not, I mean, YouTube, I suppose, is sort of video only, but there's there's so much happening. There's, you know, there's all this channels and curation. I mean, it's just a vertical video with like a two line caption. There's not all this complexity. It's, it, it's very simple, but I also, I think it's intimidating largely it because of the culture. Someone told me that trying yeah. to create content on TikTok is a little bit like going to the mall when you're in your mid twenties and you think teenagers are going to make fun of you. You know, when you're mm-hmm. like, oh no, I'm not, I'm not old enough to earn the respect of these youths, but I'm also not young enough to be part of the youth. And so I feel like I'm just gonna be that guy in the middle. Yeah. And that's, that's what I'm a little nervous about.
1: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> honestly, like everybody needs to stop being nervous about what, what other people think of them. Like if you want to like win <laughs> online, you need to be like relentlessly authentic and just be who you are, be yourself and get, get, get yelled at if you want to be. Half the content from 40 year olds on TikTok is content about them either apologizing for being on TikTok or I'm not <laughs> apologizing for being on TikTok, hashtag 40s on TikTok.
0: <laughs> you okay, know? I'm gonna make one of each back to back and do it as a duet. <laughs> it's so funny.
1: Yeah, well, I, 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 it's so funny with the duets. Sometimes I'll see like, uh, somebody will do like a duet with like a Gary Vee video and it'll be like Gary Vee giving a speech and then the guy doing the duet being like, yeah, totally totally because it's Lots just like a picture in picture. it's so weird it's so weird uh it wasn't really meant for that really it was meant for like doing duets i suppose
0: wait a second i think i just made live here on this on this podcast i think i just came up with my my tiktok content strategy should i just take brand tiktoks and then do commentary on their content strategy oh strategy that's
1: good as a duet that's really good oh that's super now, smart wait.
0: But now I said it, I have to do it. Dang it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's good. That's good. Okay, that, that's right. awesome. Okay, now th- this is going to be overwhelming for some people. If, if, if we just step back and go to these like small teams, because listen, even yeah. large businesses that I've worked with before are ha- like, have trouble justifying dedicating even one human to content. Yeah. So sure. l- let's say that they decide that they are going to take a little bit here. I mean, how do you decide? I mean, yes, you, you find out where people are, but we're also talking about things like, oh, it's good to have a mix, et cetera, et cetera. And I feel like often when I've advised people or, or I've seen people have that advice or they've had this idea like, oh, I, I realize I should have a mix of, uh, of content. So I'm trying to do a little here and a little here and a little here. And I feel like when you do a little here, a little here and a little here, it doesn't get that omnipresence activation that you really need to right. like leverage this. So sometimes I feel like consistency is more important than experimentation, but I don't know. What do you think? I
0: think I always encourage people to, I mean, it's good to be, to be everywhere. Everyone wants to have that feeling, but if you truly don't have the resources to actually be everywhere consistently, then you're just sort of burning yourself out and you're not going to achieve, like you said, you're not going to achieve what you're looking for. So I would always say it's better again, find that first content language, find what you can deliver on consistently Do that well and then look to experiment with other things when you have additional resources, when you have the time or when you've mastered that one thing so well that you can now do it quickly and you have a little bit more time to play. Right. So, you know, you don't see people saying these YouTubers really need to diversify these millions of followers they have with their weekly videos like, oh, no, what are they doing over there? you know, they do eventually they get really good on one platform and then they build an email platform and then people follow them elsewhere. Right. But they start in one place, gain a following and then branch out from there. So if you're in that situation where you only have so much time, you only have so many resources, I would figure out what's going to be the place where you can deliver consistently, where you can create content that's fitting for that platform. And then I would just focus on that for a bit. You know, if you need to sometimes people encourage like grab your storefronts. So if you need to secure your handle or your account in some of these different places to protect it, you know, to make sure you have it for when you're ready, do that. Don't leave it dead. Right? So don't have no image, no bio that almost looks worse. Have put your bio, put your image and say, you know, for more from the such and such team, find us here and, and point them to where you are active in the conversation. So at least you have those places secured. And when the time comes, you'll be able to pick it up and, and start experimenting there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's I think it's strategically very smart if you have limited resources to, to focus in a place where you can deliver consistently. Um, that's, that's what I try to do. You know, personally, I really enjoy Twitter. And so it's a place where I spend a lot of my time. That's where I have the biggest following. Um, mm-hmm. I do post on Instagram because it's, uh, you know, but again, I, I confess, like I'm more of a writer. So being able to just put out my thoughts and text is much easier for me, you know, quick thought here and there. Um, and then I, I post on Instagram, I post on, on LinkedIn, I post on Facebook, but I'm not dedicating quite the same amount of time, attention, and resources to either engaging with others or creating original content in those places. Um, cause that's for now where I'm spending most of my time.
1: Okay. So and, and, and just to go back, we would say that if you're trying to figure out what that one thing is that you can go all in on, it's figuring out where your audience hangs out and then matching that with uh, what, what do you think you have the resources to potentially be consistent with uh, nailing down basically how to, how, to, how to master that contextually, right?
0: Yeah. Yep, definitely. And I think just to give a, an example of exactly what we're talking about, I yep. got very ambitious uh, maybe a year ago, a little over a year ago, and I decided a video series. I need a video series. Everyone's doing video, so I tried to do it. I started the video series. It had a cool strategy behind it. It was a lot of fun, um, but I really couldn't deliver on it consistently because it was so much of a stretch for my skill set. It was taking me a long time to edit, taking me a long time to, to fix, um, to set up. And after about four weeks, I ran out of steam. I had more ideas. I have more footage that I've filmed, and I just haven't been able to keep up consistently delivering it. And now I sometimes wonder, does it actually look worse that I started it and gave up than had I never done it at all, right? I kind of wish that I had given it a bit more time, maybe batched my content a little bit more so that I could have kept it going longer. So um, that's another option, too, if you have limited time, is to, to... plan out far enough in advance that you can batch create. Maybe I should have done a full day of making a whole month worth of videos and then I would have been able to keep that longer rather than, you know, trying to Melanie, do it every, every Melanie Melanie,
1: if I were you, I would get all that video of you like Melanie like speaks constantly. I'm so <laughs> jealous of her. I'm trying to get on more stages. She's trying probably trying to get on less so she can spend more time with her uh, her her baby. <laughs> and that's what I would do. I would take all the video of those speeches and chop them up yeah. into micro content. You would have three years' worth of content there. It's oh true, my gosh. It's true.
0: I do have a lot, a lot of that footage, and that's one of my projects is actually trying to find someone who could help me chop it up and make it into, into shorter social video. It's just, like I said, not my first content language, and so you know to, to take that video and chop it up sounds really easy, but it's actually outside my skill set. It would take me an incredibly embarrassingly long time so i'm like eh, i'll just write three blog posts in that time instead
1: ah <laughs> uh, oh well, we should talk um okay so uh okay so 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 we so we know what to do we know that we should focus on this one thing um but i guess another piece of it is that especially when you're starting a lot of people feel like and i know i've felt like this a lot when i've started new things you feel like you're putting all this effort into something and that you're basically talking into a void or a vacuum. And then you're saying, okay, well, I'm telling a story, but is anybody listening? And mm. you're not seeing that feedback. I mean, whether that's likes, comments, other engagements, or if it's just simply, you just don't hear anything and you feel like nobody's seeing it. Yeah. And even reach numbers, like if you're if you're just trying to do it on something like Facebook, where it's very, very difficult to reach people right now, it may say, you, you may be posting it, it may say, you know, good, you've reached 15 people. And you're like, oh my gosh, I mean, is this where I should be putting my efforts? And what would you say to that? Uh, I
0: mean, I would say the first thing you want to do is make sure you have realistic expectations around what how much time you're going to put into it and what the results you're expecting to see. Um, I think yeah. both of us having been on the media side, you, you every now and then you work with the clients says, well. I posted my first YouTube video and I don't have a million subscribers and I don't have a million views on the video. And you're like, well, it's been up for half an hour, like give it a minute, you know, rein in your expectations a little bit when you're starting out, it, it takes time to build that, you know? Um, so that, that's always the first question is like, what's actually realistic for my audience on this particular platform and what's a yeah. realistic amount of time to, to expect that. I would also say that it takes sustained effort over time to to start to see some of those results. So not only what's realistic for my audience and for this platform but you know your first videos are not going to get a lot of traction. It's the fact that when someone comes to you that they see they have a well of videos that they there's a lot of content they can go deep on, that's going to earn you the subscribers going to earn you traction over time. So I would say you need to set sort of a long-term goal for something like video in particular I think you know, everyone wants to go viral with one video, but we all, we see this happen all the time. That doesn't lead to sustained growth, right? That might give you one particular piece of content that got a lot of engagement, but hopefully you're not looking to be a flash in the pan. You want to create sort of a sustained engagement with your audience and that takes longer time. So I would say you want to probably keep at something like this for for months to, you know, six months to a year probably before you decide it's a total and utter failure. Um, And that's especially true if you're not throwing a lot of money at the problem. You know, if you can boost everything that you're creating, put paid distribution behind it, you may be able to come to that conclusion about what's working or not faster, because you can get eyeballs faster. But if you're doing this Mm -hmm. the old fashioned way, you're sort of bootstrapping it and just putting out that content, um, it's going to take you a longer time to get enough eyes for a, you know, a statistically significant amount of feedback to know whether something is really working or not.
1: Yeah, a couple of things I thought of when you were saying that. I mean, first first is discoverability. Are, are there specific things around discoverability that, that you find yourself recommending a lot to sort of – besides paying for it. I mean, what are yeah. the sort of basic things that, that you tell folks to do to just get, get seen faster or sort of build awareness around some new content yeah. effort that you're doing? Because it can't – like, there's something about creating content. It's like a little more emotional than other things that you do. And so you feel – more invested
0: in it right now? yeah well and it hurts your feelings when you work on something for a good amount of time and then no one likes it or worse somebody gives it a thumbs down you're like that hurts my heart
1: oh my <laughs> so. gosh i know seriously i just wrote a post about this i have the thinnest skin like if somebody if somebody like every time somebody unsubscribes from my email list i just have a little like cry party Aww. in my life <laughs> But I do yeah, feel so, a little so,
0: guilty as a creator on subscribing from people because I know that they see that and I'm like, I hope their feelings aren't hurt. I'm just trying to clean up my inbox, you know?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I got you. I got you. So, so, so how do I, how do I, what do I do? How do I get, how do I get more of a yeah. community around my, because that, isn't that what we're doing? Like, yep. aren't you sort of creating a community here? How do yeah. I get that community around my content other than just posting it, clicking the little green button and then running away?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, first I think consistency is, is key. I know we've talked about that and hit on it a few different ways, but you know, it's the reason why you hear here. If you watch any YouTuber for any amount of time, come back. I put out new videos every Wednesday. Like there's an expectation there that content is coming out regularly on the same day or time and that it's going to keep coming. So creating that consistency is one way to ensure people keep coming back. They know what they're signing up for and what they're going to get. Um, consistency also in terms of what you put out, if everything you put out is valuable, is, you know, of the same quality, people will keep coming back, keep subscribing. They're getting something from it. The other thing I think you want to do is focus on those things that people are actually searching for. So you don't have to be like a deep extreme SEO expert on these kinds of things, but take a look at the videos, whether it's on YouTube or, or, you know, anywhere else from your competitors, from people who are in the same space as you, or from non-competitors who are appealing to the same audience. What are they doing? What can you replicate? What is clearly working for them that you can take lessons from? So, you know, a, a tool I always recommend, I feel like I've been telling everyone about it lately, but um, answer the public. Are you familiar with this tool?
1: No, no, no. Tell me.
0: Oh, it's amazing. So answer the It's a, a free service. They have paid tiers as well, but basically you just plug in a few keywords and it will tell you the, the queries, the search queries that are related to that search. And it does it in a really approachable way with like word clouds and some data visualization. So you don't see a bunch of numbers and charts that are intimidating. If you're not like a search or an SEO kind of person, Um, this is super approachable. So if you were to punch in keywords related to your business, related to your expertise that you want to create content around, um, I'll, I'll give you an example. If I were to punch in brand content, that's something that I want to create some content about. I might see results like, what does a brand content job pay? How do you get hired in brand content? Who creates brand content? And that would tell me the kind of queries people are looking up related to my expertise. I could then turn around and knowing that people are looking for answers to these questions, create content, video, written, or otherwise that answers those questions and make sure that the stuff I'm creating is actually answering queries from my audience. It's actually stuff they're really interested in and not just stuff that I think they might be interested in or stuff that I'm interested in, whether they care or not. So this is a really easy way to kind of tap into you know, real search queries, real intent from your audience or from an audience. Um, You know, you can scroll down to the very bottom and see some of the methodology about where they pull this data from if you're into that sort of thing. Um, But again, if you're not a search person, this is a really good approachable place to start for making sure that your content is audience centric.
1: Yeah. And and I mean, I, I would assume it has ramifications beyond SEO too, because it just generally tells you appetite, right? Right,
0: exactly. And so that's, if you're not sure where to start, you don't know what to talk about, that's at least a starting point. You know, every result is not going to be relevant for you. You're certainly not going to create, you know, probably not, hopefully not, you know, hundreds of thousands of pieces of content to answer every single query it gives you. Um, but it gives you a really good starting point. Um, and again, you know, if you're creating stuff that answers questions real people have, then there's a pretty good chance that when they search for it, you know, eventually they'll come to you and, and it may take time, you have to earn that credibility. Um, but I think that you know, making sure everything you create comes from a need that your audience has and not just the need that you have, as you said, you know, dropping value over time, just delivering tons and tons of value when the time comes to make a sale, you know, that relationship will, will already have a strong foundation.
1: Yeah, I have, uh, I I had a couple of questions I wrote down, but we're running low on time. Let me get to this one. And then I want to talk about your book a little bit. Um, But but I, I do want to make sure that people know what to put in this stuff. And I think that I always, I have debates all the time with other people in this space about um, basically what a brand story should be and what types of stories I should be telling. There's probably nobody better to talk to than you about this. Um, I, I'm a big preacher of, Talking less about you and your features and benefits, and talking more about the audience and making yeah. content around their lifestyle and stuff. Much, it's a much difficult. It's 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 a difficult sell for companies because they're saying, okay, why am I not talking about what value I can provide, and instead talking about you. You know what I mean? So so where do you mm-hmm. fit in this whole? Like, how do you feel about this? Well, I'm
0: totally with you, and I I'm fully in the same camp. It's a tough sell sometimes. So so two things here. One of the things I always try to talk to those kind of brands and folks about if they're having some pushback and feeling like I need to talk about myself Is I asked them the last time they enjoyed a conversation with someone who only talked about themselves and the answer is never no one likes that conversation and no one likes that guy because at the end of the conversation they're like they only care about themselves and they didn't ask any questions about me they don't like me I didn't get anything out of that you don't enjoy it right so We don't want our brand, we don't want our marketing to be that guy that's only talking about themselves. Like no one likes that guy. So we can talk about ourselves for sure. We should share what's important to us. We should share what's valuable to us. Um, We should share what we stand for and who we partner with, how we align ourselves in the marketplace. But we also need to ask some questions and have some interaction. We don't wanna just sort of broadcast about ourselves at our audience. They're not gonna enjoy that. But if you're looking for sort of an easy way to make that transition that feels more approachable for someone who has this mindset, the easiest place to start is your testimonials. There's some part of your website, some part of your brand, some part Mm. of your, your whole ecosystem that involves asking people who have worked with you what they think. It could be reviews, testimonials, case studies, whatever it may be. It's probably some form of picture, quote, name, right? Or maybe just quote and name. There's a really good opportunity to make those a bit more narrative in nature to say, look, instead of getting customer Bob or customer Kate to just give us a quote, why don't I talk to them about how we've really helped them? Why don't I get even more information about how wonderful we are and how much we've helped them, right? It's sort of a, an easy way to that's closely tied to sales, it's closely tied to, to conversions, that feels a little more approachable to turn a piece of, of testimonial based content a little more narrative make it an interview with that person, share their backstory, what happened to their business, how did we help them achieve some goal, you know, you can make it more like a profile of that person that you'd find in journalism, it still achieves the same business objective, and when it inevitably is more fun to engage with, when it inevitably gets a little more traction, um, inevitably gets mentioned more by people who are reading those testimonials, it gives you a good, uh, like a, a green light to kind of start bringing in more narrative, more, more people-based stories in other parts of the business too.
1: I love this. I love this. I love this. This is great. We just launched a new program in our business where we create testimonials for people for exactly these reasons. These reasons. Although I'm sort of interested in what you said because it's making me think about, it's making me think about it a little bit. Um, I mean, what, what, why, like, what do you just, just to reiterate? I mean, why do you feel like the narrative version of that video is better than the quicker hit version of that video?
0: Well, I think I mean I think it partially depends on your goals right if you want to have just here's five quick quotes from satisfied customers you know if it's reviews under a um you know under a product maybe they just need to see five stars worked great but there's probably some bigger decisions where you need a little more context and then just five stars works great is not enough to convince you right i need to understand that you had the same challenge that i had i need to understand that you had the same doubts and skepticism that i have right now i need to understand that your situation is similar to my situation you know in order to make that leap and so i wouldn't say that every testimonial needs to be like this you know narrative exploration of their life and goals and challenges um but in many cases i find that that's like a really easy way to sort of bridge the gap between what we're doing from a, you know, creating content standpoint and what we want to be doing, that testimonials are just like the easiest way to open the door a little bit to to narrative. And then that kind of gets the green light to keep going.
1: Totally. It's empathy. It's my favorite word on planet earth. It's in the title of my (laughs) book. It's all I talk about is empathy. Yeah, that's why, right? If, if, if people can emotionally identify with this piece of social proof content, instead of it just being a review, it could definitely move mountains a little bit more. I guess, yeah, that's, that's that's that that's interesting. It actually makes me think that we should experiment with doing some interview formats of these. So that's that's yeah. sort of an interesting an interesting thought. Okay, let's 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 talk about the book. It's called the Story Fuel Framework, right? The content so, fuel
0: framework. Yep. The
1: content fuel framework. But your your company is story fuel.
0: Correct. We're fueling your stories, we're fueling your content. So it's all guess, happening.
1: <laughs> right, 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 right. Your last name is pronounced diesel, like there's a clear like fuel thing, oh, right yeah, um, I love in. it, okay, so but 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 tell me, so why did you choose to call it that? Is there like is there like a big is there like a blueprint in here? like
0: yes, hundred percent, yeah, so um, and you probably have a similar experience it's like when you when you study journalism, the idea of coming up with story ideas, it's so ingrained to what we do. we have to put out a paper or fill the site or fill the pages every day. You don't even think of how you do it. You just kind of do it. And so what I found is that when I was working with brands, when I was talking to marketers, they wanted to know, how do I do that? How do I come up with story ideas? What do I say? What do I do on the blog? What do I make my videos about? And Mm. I personally could not actually explain what was happening in my head. I was just coming up with ideas now in, in efforts to sort of go from you can hire me to think versus I can teach you to think in the same way. I tried to figure out what was happening in my head. And that's what the framework is. It was me finally putting on paper, the mental process that I go through when I'm saying, okay, we need to come up with a hundred content ideas. How do we do that? Boom, boom, boom. This is what I sort of broke down the process of what I was doing. And it was this idea of a focus and a format. So figuring out the focus, what's the lens through which we're gonna tell the story. Is this a story about history or about people uh, is this a story where we're curating something? Is it a story about data? Is it a story about opinion? What's the focus of the story? And then what's the format? How are we going to bring that to life? We're bringing it to life through video, live video, audio, a map, a timeline, a quiz, written content, something else, right? So the book breaks down, here are 10 common focuses, and then here are 10 plus common um,
1: uh, Okay, formats. so wait, what's, what's, what's a focus?
0: A focus is what context. the story is ab- about. So uh, the focus could be people. We were just, uh, for example, talking about testimonials. In that case, yep. customer yep. Bob, we're telling his story. So this is a people-focused story. We could do that through written content with a little quote on the website. We could do it through video by doing an interview with customer Bob and hearing all about his experience with us. We could extract that as audio and have it play in the background next to a photo of customer Bob, which would be you know, image-based content. We could do it as a timeline, so maybe we show customer Bob started his business here, he started working with us here on this date, These are the results on this date after he started implementing our product, we plot it on a timeline. Um, You could tell that story through live video, maybe you do a live interview with customer Bob, I don't know how how comfortable he is on live video, but we'll find out, we're going live. Um, There's a lot of different ways you could tell that exact same people-focused story, but until you kind of explore all the different options, you might default to a specific one that's comfortable for you and not really explore what's the best way to tell that story.
1: So So do I have the idea before I come up with the focus? Like I'm kind of like, okay, I'm going to do a testimonial about X or I'm going to do a story about X and then I have my focus. So
0: you have your why of what you want to create content about. So maybe it's that you have an event coming up or for you right, right now, you know, you've got a book coming out. So in the back of your mind, you know, you're trying to come up with content about your book to help create a marketing, content marketing strategy around your book. So I would ask you, could we tell the story of your book through data? Is there data we could share about your book? Probably, right? Like how long did it take you to write? How many words are Mm -hmm. in it? How many pages? Uh, How many different rounds of reviews, right? You can kind of create data about it. Mm -hmm. And then you would ask, well, what's the best way to present that data? A list of facts written out might not be the most engaging, but an infographic might be cool. It might be cool to have an infographic with all cool data points about your book. The most common word, the least common word, the longest word that you use. Oh, that's a good idea. yeah, right. I mean, I might might not be making this exact thing right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, so so
1: tell, that would be a data <laughs> Are you promoting story. a book right now too? This is great. This uh, is yeah, just, you yeah. know, it's great. You know, so, you know, so you know what's funny, funny with me, Melanie, is because I'm a video guy, I only think in video. I actually like I'm not there even thinking about infographics and stuff like that. I always just right. think of video.
0: I mean, so so that's kind of the idea is to break you out of a way of thinking. You know, I always say that one of the challenges with with content ideas is we don't necessarily have a framework for how to think about it. The The framework comes as a result of our limitations usually, where it's like, okay, I need something to post on Facebook on Friday, so I guess I need yeah. a video idea. And so then you're trying to shoehorn some kind of anything that fits on Facebook on Friday in a video, right? We're not actually thinking story first. We're, we're sort of shoehorning things into formats. And so the idea is... If we can start by saying, can I tell this story through this lens, the lens of people, of history, of opinion, of data, right, looking at those different focuses, you might come up with an idea that gets to be told in a totally different format. So now you're telling a data-focused story through an infographic that helps promote your book or whatever other, you know, strategic initiative you might have. So the, the, the book really breaks down this whole framework so that when you have to come up with an idea for something, you don't feel forced. You don't feel like you're relying on, on maybe just repurposing something else, but you actually are, are thinking of totally new focuses and formats and, and telling stories in totally new ways.
1: I love this. This is great. This is great. I'm definitely going to be picking this up. And, and, and I think it's interesting because I have my own little system that I came up with that come up with story ideas yeah. and it's completely different. I just like, I bet you that if you combine these two things, it would be total magic. Uh, sure. because yeah. yours, Everyone's... yours actually focuses like my, my little system results in like killer headlines, right. Which give mm. you the focus of your story. But what right. I like about your system is it gets a little bit more into the, uh, like what it's actually going to look like and be and do, which is really cool. Yeah.
0: Cause I, I what I have found is that oftentimes, at least for me, the way these interactions go is someone says, oh, I need to create some piece of content for something for a product launch, for an event, for some campaign. But then we don't know what comes after that. Like we just sort of think vaguely about stuff and hopefully we come up with something. Like there's no system, no process for moving from I need content for blank to actually knowing what that idea is and how it comes to life in the world. So I was trying to close that gap between we need content for something and what are we going to create and what is it about?
1: That's great. That's great. Well, that that's a that's a that's a nice little taste. Um, where where can we get this sucker when it comes out?
0: So it's going to be on Amazon. It's going to be on Barnes and Noble. We'll, there will be an ebook. Eventually, there will be an audio book. I have to record that, but it's going to happen at some point. Um, <laughs> trying to trying to embrace all the formats here that way as well. Um, Definitely so, record you know, your
1: own audio book. I have I've had some I'm do people it. that I know, and they're like reaching out. They're like, "Who do I get to record an audio book?" i oh, find somebody on Fiverr, and I'm like, "You got to record it yourself. That's where you get that like." It's just another piece of content that. Well, me- hey, you know
0: what? Knowing knowing your strengths is important. If you don't have the patience for it, or you don't have the voice for it, or you don't have the comfort doing it, then that's one thing. But uh, if you are a person who wants to have your voice be known, if you want to be a speaker, you want to be you know you want to be a personality on video, then you want that voice recognition. I want people to hear my ideas in my own words because I would like for them to hire me to share my ideas <laughs> in my own words at some point, right? Right.
1: <laughs> all these things build affinity with you. Yeah, for sure. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Well,
1: Melanie, this has definitely been one of the most fun conversations I've had on here. And I think it was just super, super useful for people. Um, where, where else can we find information about you and, and, and know more about when the book's coming? I know February 24th, but. February
0: 24th, it will be on Amazon. There'll be pre-orders before then, but you can learn more about me, my company, everything uh, having to do with us in the book is at storyfuel.co. So that's story F U E L dot C O. Um, there you can find out about the book, about masterminds, coaching, consulting, all the stuff you may have questions about. Um, and you can also get in touch with me there. All my social links are there so you can find me.
1: Melanie is wonderful and generous. I would highly recommend uh, getting in touch with her. Uh, thank you so much for joining me on the, uh, on, the, on the podcast this week. It was a great conversation. And thank you all for being here. Uh, please, if you get value today, and I hope you did, like and subscribe, that helps us out. And uh, looking forward to seeing you next week. Cheers.